I'm Stan Rowland, and we're here to talk about. Hey, Bob. We're here to talk about neighborhood transformation, which is community health in urban poor settings, primarily here in North America. If that's not what you're here for, you better move to another room. <laughs> but that's okay. Let me ask you. Okay, I've got a bunch of young people here, so this may or may not be. How many of you have lived the place where you now live, whether it be an apartment, a house, whatever, for over ten years? Now, I know with the young people, that's... How many have lived over ten years? Okay. A few. How many have lived over fifteen Okay, how many times have those of you that have moved, how many times have you moved? More than five times? More than ten? Yeah, ten for the younger people, that'd be pretty hard, unless your dad was in the military or something. Okay, for those of you that have lived in where you've lived 10 or 15 years, in other words, the longer termers, can you take six houses or six apartments around you, whether you live in an apartment or a house, can you name all the residents in that each one of those six? How many can? Okay, Paul can. Okay, back there. Okay, so two. But one of the things that in North America and overseas, but our focus today is going to be North America, one of the key things that is involved is people being transient. They move a lot. If you're a missionary, then you're off off the page. My wife tells me, in our first 35 years of marriage, we moved 23 times. And that wasn't just coming back and forth for furlough, or, but it was business and all kinds of things. Okay, that, keep that in mind as we talked. What we're going to be talking about is, how many of you know the term community health evangelism? Che. Okay. You know what Che is? It's Mobilizing people in villages to identify their assets, what they have, and what they want to learn, and then training them to do it so they actually transform their neighborhood or their village in Che's situation. Che is being used in 105 countries of the world and over 4,000 villages of the world by about 350 organizations. My mic fell off. <laughs> now, neighborhood transformation is CHE, Community Health Evangelism, in urban North America. And it's focused on the underserved, it's focused on underserved neighborhoods right now in about 20 cities, but it's new. We've only been doing neighborhood transformation in the U.S. for less than about four years. While we've been doing CHE 
internationally for over 35 years. So, and most people here, a good percentage of the people here are aware of community health evangelism. Well, what is, what are we all about? Neighborhood transformation is all about equipping churches to facilitate transformed neighborhoods and people to maturity in Christ. So we're focused on the city, we're focused on urban poor neighborhoods, and the vehicle that we use are churches. Now, how many of you are involved in a a, uh, FQIC or a free clinic? You have to put one more layer on top of that, okay? We work, we come alongside an FQIC or a free clinic to equip a couple of key staff in there, in that clinic, to do what I'm going to tell you neighborhood transformation does. So you're kind of the umbrella. You are like the master trainers in this. Okay? So you have a frame of reference. Because it works both ways. Because most FQICs and most free clinics, you really want to get in the neighborhood... And if you're an FQIC, but you aren't, and it's part of your contract, but you aren't paid for it. You're only paid for seeing sick people. So, it's how do you do that? Everything we do is built on Luke 10:27 and a whole bunch of other Bible verses. But the one that seems to be the most used is Luke 10:27. There are two parts to it. Love God with all your heart, mind, body, and strength. Now, that's very personal. That's in some ways easier. Not easy by any stretch of the imagination. But the second part of it is the thing that really gets most people. It's love your neighbor as yourself. How do you love yourself? What do you do for yourself? Hmm? Yep, you eat, you clothe, all the things you're doing for yourself, if you can. I mean, sometimes you don't have the money or the wherewithal, but the point is, the point of it is that we need to be doing the same thing for our neighbors as we do for ourselves. We need to love our neighbors as Christ loves us. We need to be visible. A light on a hill. Now, it's not either or. It's not, you know, just do evangelism and discipleship or just do the social gospel. It's how are these intertwined. They're so intertwined, and we could take you through a whole hour discussion on the biblical basis of how Jesus taught. But we aren't going to because we don't have that much time. What's kingdom transformation? What we're after is God's kingdom here and now and in the future. Not everything's being done for the future and we don't care about now. It's intertwined together. Holistic ministry, whole person ministry, whole uh, community ministry... If you work overseas, some people use the term integral ministry. All the same thing. It's word and deed combined together. 
so they are not separated. So, kingdom transformation is also a restoration of relationships in four areas. By the way, we're very simplistic. We don't try and make it complicated. So, restoration of right relationships with God, ourself, others, and the creation around us. And if you really look at sickness and illness, this kind of fits in to the whole, most of your disease state things, too. Transformation, though, is, is a radical change, but it starts on the inside. It starts with beliefs and values that changes our behavior, which results in our own lives being different, people seeing it, and then our community being seen as different and it being actually changed. What's our purpose? It's not just breaking the bonds of poverty or planting churches, though both are important. They actually are accomplished through NT. I probably don't have any church planters here, since this is a medical conference, but we've seen hundreds and hundreds of churches planted using the community health evangelism or neighborhood transformation strategy. What we're after is a transformation in lives and community that's as, as deep as the human heart and as broad as the whole range of all sectors of life. The education sector, the business sector, the uh, medical sector, the, you name it. Many of, well, in this room you're all specialists. Basically medical specialists. Um, and sometimes, yeah, this is, we silo. You know the term silo? Any farm people here? I'm a Midwesterner by original birth, and silos is where they store grain. Wheat goes in this silo, corn in this silo, and so forth. And never the twain shall meet. We're all about equipping lay people and putting all the grain together. Jesus is recognized as Lord over all creation and all the activities that we're doing are to reflect the depth and breadth of His kingdom. There's a super, if, if you struggle with word and deed together, there's some great books to read. One is by Scott Allen. It's a new book. It's based on Kingdom of God and... What was Jesus' worldview? And that's based on Daryl Miller's uh, book, Disciple the Nation. We have a few of them downstairs at our booth and at the community, at the Global Chain Network booth. So, And that really is a great book for lay people that really want to understand the biblical basis. You don't have to be a pastor to understand it or a theologian to understand it. it it's a good lay book. Well, what is transformation all about? Transformation is person-to-person relationships. Remember I asked you how many know your neighbors? In North America, the vast bulk of us don't know our neighbors. 
We can't even say their names, let alone anything about them. Why? Because many of us have moved multiple times, or if we've stayed in that house for a long time, our neighbors have moved. So there is real transience in most neighborhoods. So first, it's person-to-person relationship, then it's person-to-neighborhood. So you begin to network the individuals that know each other into a group that is actually beginning to do things in the neighborhood. And then we network neighborhood A, neighborhood B, and neighborhood C together so they begin to transform the city. Here in Louisville, we started about a year ago, and we're working in, well, in Louisville in two neighborhoods, and in southern Indiana, one. One is the Shawnee neighborhood, and the second is the Iroquois or South neighborhood. We have core values, and it doesn't matter if it's overseas or here, this drives what we do. Our key is integration of physical and spiritual. We, everything we do is based on multiplication. 2 Timothy 2.2. Who can tell me what 2 Timothy 2.2 says? Anybody know? Anybody have been involved in NAVs or inter- Navigators or InterVarsity or, or Young Life or Campus Crusade? It's Paul talking to Timothy and he says, Fine, faithful people to teach them who will apply what you do. This is my uh, Roland, not interpretation. <laughs> anyway, pardon? Translation. Translation. There you go. Thank you. Uh, but it says, Paul's telling Timothy, find faithful people to teach them what you know, and they'll apply it who will find faithful people who they will teach, and those people will teach others as well. So it's the idea of multiplying yourself, not just adding. Many of us are addition. I teach you how to do agriculture, and you do it well. That's good. But in what Jesus is, or what the Bible's telling us, it's got to be better. I teach you who apply agriculture, then you teach somebody else how to do it. So that means what you teach has to be simple. Kiss. Keep it simple, sweetie. Or keep it short and simple. Um, Everything we do is built on what's there. What do people hold in their hand? We're after the community or the neighborhood owning it, saying, wow, look what we did. Not, wow, Look what that organization did. It's all about community getting, feeling good, building their own dignity, and the ultimate, who do we want to get the, who who should get the glory? God. Uh, There are many different approaches to entering a community. We want to build mature leadership. We want it to keep going and going and going. How many of you, it's still around, which amazes me, the Energizer Bunny? You know that one? This thing keeps going. He's been going for 20 years or so. 
And what we're after is the village or the neighborhood taking the ownership and what has started keep going because it's theirs and they're continuing it on. You want, that's relate, uh, sustainability. We look for and measure a, uh, effect, effectiveness. Actually, a, a gal at Cedarville College just finished her dissert, PhD dissertation on what's going on in Shawnee, which is pretty good. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, but she was telling me about yesterday and about ready to do some backflips. Sounds very, very good. And it's only an 18-month program, and it's tied to a brand-new FQIC down there. It's got to be adapted for where you're at, and everything we do is maximize contacts and relationships. Now, let's talk about cities. A very interesting thing happened in early 2010. When I first went on the mission field eons ago, back in the 70s, Two-thirds of the world's population lived in the rural areas. That included here as well as overseas. In 2010, the number flipped over. Now, more than 50% live in cities, 50.1. So it's just flipped over. But what's going to be happening by 2020, not that far, nine years away, 70% of the world's population will be living in cities over a million. And when they're using the word cities, they're really talking about the metropolitan area. Louisville has, you know, a a border that's officially Louisville, but the area is broader. It takes in the suburbs and stuff. So, 70%. There are 200 cities today. Where do you think, what countries do you think those cities are in? Most of them. Over a million. China? Pardon? I'm sorry. U.S.? Not? It's India. Why? Yeah, that's right. There's a lot of people. There are around a billion people, you know, in each. And so, therefore, and, and there's been an aggressive move to that. So, right now, those cities are primarily in India and in China. But the greater Louisville area is a million, too. Not, the, you know, not the pure city, but the, the metropolitan area. So, right here, you're one of those. The interesting thing... By 2020, there will be 1,450 of these. So, most mission, many missions, including community health evangelism, have been focused on the rural area. That's where the population used to be. That's where the needs were. But now, everything is shifting so that urban is becoming very important, but there's some differences, and we'll talk about that between a rural community. Overseas, in rural villages, how many of you have been 
on a mission trip or lived overseas and been in villages. Yeah. So picture in your mind your village. Doesn't matter if it's Africa, China, uh, Guatemala, wherever it might be. Think of those. And that's not what I'm talking from. So, um, when you look at it, these villages are a geographical place. How long have the people lived in those villages? Short time? Long time, right? Generation after generation. So everybody knows each other. They are, have, hold many, many, many things in common. Language, culture, what they do for sports, what they eat, what they dress, who the leadership style, all of these things they hold in common. So they make up, they know many things, and they have a very, very strong relationship of networks. Those of you that are older, let's say over 50, have any of you, did any of you grow up in a pretty rural area? Okay. And if you still go to southeast Kentucky in the hollers of Kentucky, my wife was born and for the first eight years of her life lived in one of those hollers in a log cabin with kerosene lantern and zinc bathtub, you know, in the kitchen. (laughs) So, but many of those are still here today. But they are very close. They hold many things in common. They've been there for a long time. And the word community really defines this kind of rural community. When you look at the word community, there are two words. Common, C-O-M-M, and unity. And so, in, in people have this sense of the community and they have a sense of belonging. This is my place. If you go to Nairobi, Kenya, in Nairobi, Kenya, you go to Mathari Valley or any place, a high percentage of the people have come from the village. And when you ask them, where are you from? They say, from that, you know, some place where they came from. When I'm asked, where am I from? I say, wherever I happen to be living at that point in time. And so there is a real sense of community. There's a, there is a network, a social network there. When they have needs, they go to their family, to the people in their neighborhood. Now, but let's talk about North America. North America, since about 1950, before, Before the 50s, North America was either city-centered or rural-centered. The people in the cities in, in, in about the 50s, after World War II and early 50s, they, they began to build what we now call suburbs. These are places to live that are outside of the city center. Most people before the 50s worked somewhere reasonably close to where they lived. But when suburbs came, they began to move out. Secondly, then as these guys moved out, what did they demand? 
to get to work. Freeways, that's right. They demanded freeways so we could get in and out. But when we put in the freeways, what did we do? We put freeways that cut neighborhoods, Irish neighborhoods, African-American neighborhoods. We split them up. And therefore, people began to move. So, when you, and think about middle class. I, for the first uh, 20 years of my life, I worked for, well, first 13 years, I worked for a large company. In my large company, if I wanted, not the one I worked for, I didn't own it. The, if I wanted to get promoted, I got transferred. So I got transferred seven, eight, nine times right here in the U.S. And, and if you're poor or if you're rich, people are very, very, very transient. They move around. And after you move multiple times, you begin to say, why should I get to know my neighbor? I'm going to move anyway. And the neighbor that's been there a long time might want to reach out to you, but the problem is they're going to be moving, and therefore, and you get a little jaded as well. Because after you've had six, neighbor, uh, six people in that home that's next door to you, whether it's rented or purchased, you stop trying. So the problem is there's no sense of community. People do not know their neighbors. And if they don't know their neighbors, just even starting with first name, there is never going to be a community because that's the starting point. Uh, and besides that, we then are more isolated. So, let's talk about what are characteristics to be a real community. People need to live in the same geographic, same neighborhood. But, and people do but they don't know each other. And so for transformation to take place in a neighborhood, they've got to get started knowing each other. That means they need to be walking the street. In other words, walking their dog, pushing their baby. Jogging doesn't count because jogging, we're so focused on jogging, we don't talk to anybody. But just walking. And as you walk the street, you begin to talk to your neighbors that are out fixing the car or mowing the lawn or whatever, or just, we don't have front porches anymore. And as you get to know people, you things come up spontaneously and you respond. So there has to be opportunity, multiple opportunities for spontaneity to happen. And you need to be meeting frequently and in the old days, neighbors invited neighbors over for meals. That doesn't happen very much in the neighborhoods. Who do we invite over? And it's less frequently. It's the people we work with, maybe, or, or have some other um, commonality with. So a geographic neighborhood, in neighborhood transformation, we're focusing on a geographic neighborhood. And, I'm not, uh, and one of the ways to, historically, there are neighborhoods. Louisville, 
is divided into neighborhoods that have been there forever. Every city is divided. So that's one way, but, but sometimes people don't know what neighborhood they live in. So an easier way is you begin to work around an elementary school. Why an elementary school? Because most kids still walk to school. I know busing is here, but the heart, the largest percent, and even with choice schools, it's still. People walk to school, and that gives you a small size, because you're after small size. There are three ways to help people, compassionate ministries, and most churches doing are do compassionate ministries. What? What are compassionate ministries that churches do today? Any. Hmm? Food pantry. Yep. What else? Clothing drives. Yeah. Clothing drives, clothing closets, all those kinds of things. Christmas gifts, you know, given. All of those things. The second is uh, betterment where you come alongside somebody, develop some relationships, and as you develop the relationships, you get to know them. And a good example is if you're working in the refugee community, ESL. Or if you're working through the elementary school, tutoring in that elementary school. Now, I have to say something. The reason we want you to work through the elementary school, I'm going to offend some people, but we want to meet the parents. Okay, we're after the parents. Ulterior motives, I know. <laughs> Development ministry is when you actually uh, learn something and then apply it in your own life, then teach others to do it, the Second Timothy 2.2. We're all about building a village in the city where people know each other. We work through urban churches. I'm going to cut this short, but let's talk about urban church. Talk about churches. How many of you go to a church that's within a mile of where you physically live? Hey, that's pretty good. Young people are more (laughs) prone to do that. But most churches, whether they be in an urban poor neighborhood or a very rich neighborhood, are commuter churches. They people come in and go out. And so, we, our whole emphasis is working through urban churches, but it requires some differences. If they were neighborhood churches, they're perfect, because a neighborhood church, people live there, they're working in their own neighborhood. A commuter church is more difficult. You have to start a program that you don't live in that neighborhood. And so, another thing we do is focus on assets. And what I mean by assets are what are the skills, knowledge, ability, and passions that people hold in their hand. We don't ask, what are your needs? How many of you have heard of needs assessment? If you're in nursing or social work, medicine, you're always told to do a needs assessment, which is good. So you know what the people need. And if you listen to them, that's even better. But when I say, what's your need, what comes to the person's mind? Who's going to fulfill the need? You are. the out. Well, you must care enough. You're asking. 
And therefore, you're going to fulfill the need. And therefore, you deepen the, the, the cycle of dependency. We focus on what assets do you have? What skills, knowledge, abilities do you hold in your own hands? And what do you want to do and what do you want to learn? And based on that, instead of thinking about, I'm going to get this from somebody else, you're focusing their needs on, what am I going to do to solve this situation? So we focus and we spend a lot of time on that. And then we have a a program of how to build, um, how to, uh, we focus on assets, sorry. (laughs) What's the strategy? Our strategy is to find a church that is externally focused. Have any of you heard of the externally focused church network? They've been around about 10 years. They're looking for church. Do you have uh, work days where churches sometimes go out on a Saturday, clean up a park? Sometimes a high number of churches in the city do it on a a reach-out day, serve, serve Phoenix Day or whatever. That's a great starting point because you're getting the people outside of the four walls. What we're all about is creating new sub-communities, new villages within the neighborhood where there are none. That are like the rural village. They know each other, they talk to each other, they help each other. We find the assets and the interests of the people and build on that. And then we connect. It's all about connecting assets so you're building new relationships and you are responding to what the people want to do. I'm not going to talk about the players. Basically, what we try and do to get started, we are invited in by a a church, typically a church, who's interested in beginning to reach outside their four walls and do do more than giving things. They want to begin to empower people to do things for themselves. So we begin, we find churches like that, and then what we do is come in and do a 14-hour training that equips churches how to reach out, identify what neighborhood, how are you going to put together the team, how are you going to move into a neighborhood. Do you already know? have some entree? Where did Paul... Where did Paul always go when he on his travels? Cities first. And who did he look for? Well, synagogues, yes, but who did he stay with? Tent makers. I mean in the true sense of a tent maker. The Lydia's, the you know, the material makers. And that person in the Bible is called the person of peace. And that person of peace is the one that gives you coverage to go in. So you're looking for that kind of person in a neighborhood that you don't know. And we do a training, and then we provide training materials that you can use to help the community do what they want to do. We've got about 3,000 lessons now, and those are in manuals, and you've got... 
a series might be on how to get and keep a job here, how to have a healthy pregnancy, uh, how to start a business, how to know Jesus, how to do follow-up, how to do spiritual warfare, how to do, how do you deal with emotional problems at the lay caregiver level. So, I mean, it's tons and tons of different topics, and some of them would would look like this. We have uh, our booth, Neighborhood Transformation booth, is on this floor, down on the far left-hand corner. The Community Health Evangelism booth, or Global Chain Network booth, the international booth, is downstairs in that corner. So, what we're here to do is just to introduce you to some of these concepts. Because what are we after? We're after neighborhoods in the city being transformed by people that are from that general area. And then those neighborhoods being networked together so that as a network of neighborhoods, they begin to impact the city. We're bottom up, not top down. You start small. You build up. Everything you do, you think in terms of multiplication. Everything you do material-wise is built on the KISS principle. Our teaching methods are all participatory, not like what I'm doing here. What are you after? Transform neighborhoods come from the inside. People knowing their neighbors and helping each other. People knowing and growing in Christ. People taking responsibility for their own lives. Healthy growing churches, improvement in employment and lot and living conditions, reduction in disease, crime, all kinds of things. You just aren't interested in one of those. You can't just start and teach people like how to get a job and think you're going to transform a neighborhood. Or teach them they've got diabetes. Get them so they understand what happens. You have to be working in all sectors. And it's kind of a sequential approach. Thank you. So, that's what we're after. Two things. If you're uh, interested, there's a website, www.neighborhoodtransformation.net. It's an information website. Uh, I'm a, uh, we're on Facebook, Neighborhood Transformation, and I kind of blog. I say kind of blog because uh, about every two or three weeks, I'm not that consistent. But I blog on different topics, like how do you work with an elementary school to get things started? Why is empowerment important? You name it, types of things. And also on the website, we have some videos that are some good discussion videos. And we do a lot of small dramas and role plays to start things, to start discussion. Well, some of those are on, on the website under, there's a thing that says uh, learn. It's drop-down menu if you go there. Also, these manuals are found on the website that you can Buy. They're very, very expensive. Uh, a four-lesson one, I think, is about 250 And a 20-lesson uh, is about 10 So it depends. So those are on the website. 
you can download. I got about three minutes for questions or comments. Yeah. So I'm curious, like when you gave the example of like how to have a healthy pregnancy or how to get a job. No, no, no. We don't ask needs. Because I can go into a village, I can go into a neighborhood and see the need that I see. But unless the people see it as a need, they aren't going to be willing to learn. So, we equip the church how to find out what people are interested in doing. So, it's, it's not, I'm going in to dig a well if I was in the village. Or I'm going in to teach people about business. You go in to find out what is already in the community and what can people do. So you get at their interests. In other words, you've got a bunch of single moms that are young and they want to have a healthy pregnancy. We have the materials. And you find another group that might want to know how to get a job. Yeah, the trainings are set up to be weekly meetings, weekly trainings, taught by people from the church generally, but sometimes from the neighborhood. They come together. Those that are interested in having a healthy pregnancy would come together as a small group. Those that are interested in how to get and keep a job would come together. And these are about anywhere from four to... Ten weeks. Okay, so it's kind of almost like a Bible study. Yes. Setup, but it's learning yeah, it, it, it's run similar to a small group. It's very interactive. Okay. It's not the person preaching to you. Yeah, and typically they won't stay in the same small group because you might be interested in how to get a job. And now that we've done that, the other people in your group could be interested in how to have a healthy pregnancy. So they go. So it, 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 that kind of group is not a continual group. And then everyone gets to know each other. That's the game. That's right. And then once they get to know each other, we take you through a process as a neighborhood group of finding out what our individual visions for that neighborhood and then, through uh, discussion, through consensus building, we get the people. The people will sort stuff down to maybe five, six things that they want to do as a neighborhood. And then we take them through a planning cycle for each one of those six things. And so you're interested in this thing, you're, so you go through that. It, it's uh, everything. It's not laid out. Straight. We give you a structure. We give you an approach. But then everything is based upon what does that community want to do. So you pick and choose the pieces when you want those pieces. Yes? So I understand what you're talking about in the sense of not asking for things. Because Mm -hmm. the church is going to have kind of like a finger on the pulse for that. Now, can you give us some tangible examples of assets? Oh, okay. Assets, what we're really after is assets. It's not so much, the primary is what is assets found in you and in you. So, there are kind of three major categories. One 
is what do you do with your hands? What skill do you have that might help somebody? What are some of your skills? What do you guys do with your hands? Hmm? Medical. Medical. Yeah. yeah. What else? I'm sorry. Yeah. What else? Yeah. What else? So it's car repair. You know, it's very tangible things. The second question is, what knowledge do you have that might help somebody in the neighborhood? Going back, it, it could be walking dogs. Could be a skill. What about knowledge? What knowledge do some of you have? Medical, yeah, you, you can teach uh, medical. The idea in knowledge is what might you be willing to teach, and it's more knowledge-based. And then, I'm sorry, no. the assets you're looking at is what, what can you offer the neighborhood? That's right. What do you see in the neighborhood? No, no, what can you offer? Okay. And then, third one is what are you passionate about? And that can be very, very different than your skills and knowledge. And then the fourth one is, what would you like to learn if teaching were done right here in this neighborhood? Very practical stuff comes out. Instead of having to go across town, you know, to the college or whatever. And, and because we aren't about full vocational training making you a cook or an engineer. It's people sharing those skills. And we ask, what do you like about the neighborhood? What one thing would you change in the neighborhood? What who do you associate as a small group in your neighborhood? A small group might be people that just garden together. In my neighborhood, there are about six moms in the nice weather. And nice weather for us is just coming. I live in Phoenix. So when it drops below 100, people, these six moms come out just about every day. When they first came, their kids were babes in arms almost, and one and two years, and they just sit out there and they watch the kids and just talk to each other. They aren't changing, they aren't talking about how I'm going to change the neighborhood. They're talking about things of interest. It could be that simple. Yeah. Has this been applied, uh, would it be applied to uh, chapels, uh, say on a university or on a military post? Haven't tried it, but it'd be interesting, yeah. It could, Yes. Ah, uh, it's 10-2. So, two, uh, if there's a sign-up here, I do not have enough for all of you. This is a small brochure on the program. This is more of a description. Please don't take everything. Uh, I have, yeah, left over from another thing, a few of the PowerPoints. If there's anything that you want, you can... Much of this is on the website. So thank you very much.